0: Welcome back to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again, kicking off the second week of our Fright Fest 5 series, uh, The Body Politic. Uh, This week we were, or last week we just covered um, how legislation can, uh, you know, can be, how legislation uh, is represented in horror movies. Uh, Probably stretched the bounds of what a horror movie is. I would call them more thrillers, but certainly within the within the umbra- under the umbrella of horror movies. So I, I think uh, Battle Royale and um, and the Purge, and the Purge more so than Battle Royale, but they they definitely both fit uh, into uh, into this equation pretty nicely. And as I said before in the last episode, there's really not many, there aren't many um, straightforward examples in the horror in the horror genre. Wherein we are talking about the we're talking about political legislation, you know, being the the driving force behind horror. Um, Obviously, stuff like the Hunger Games and um, well, the Hunger Games is the first one that pops to mind. um, In terms of in terms of political legislation, kind of being the thing that is um, at issue, right? But uh, in terms of horror, it's a little bit less common. So we had to stretch a little bit, but I think it was worthwhile to. I definitely think it was worthwhile to sit down and watch both those movies and kind of um go through them again, see them again for see see one for the first time literally pr- probably within I think I saw The Purge within the first couple of years that it came out. Um and I've seen Battle Royale over the years multiple times, but it was kind of interesting uh under current in the current political climate to watch both of those movies again. Uh so that was definitely worthwhile and I I definitely think that they belong in in this in this particular horror series, so, but this week, like I said, we're kicking off. Uh, this week, we're gonna have a double feature uh, that is focusing on the elites um, in politics, and <clears throat> I kind of think this is this was intentional. I don't know if I I don't think I I'm pretty sure I didn't mention this um, when I first when we first kicked the series off. But this is these are set up sort of in a way that um, in which the the threat is escalating. I feel like legislation is the least threatening the elites are the second most threatening sort of um the or I should say the 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 most horror can be the second most horror can be derived from the elites with the enforcement level uh being the most um the most immediate horrific and and biggest threat uh in terms of uh in terms of the way this is in terms of the how the body politic is represented. Sorry if I stumbled there a little bit. So legislation was kind of the lowest level, and I, I kind of feel like again, not to say that not to minimize the importance of legislation in any um in any particular government government setting, but there are legislation oftentimes is very targeted, right? Like it's not as widespread as, you know, when you think of the purge or you think of the battle, you know, the purge night or the, the BR Act, um, those are significantly more widespread. Um, obviously, purge night is ex- extraordinarily widespread, uh, but most legislation is more targeted, um, so its implications aren't aren't quite as um, the. It should say the 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 area of effect isn't quite as isn't quite as big as you might think it is. Um, not to, again, not to say that it isn't important, but um, in terms of in terms of uh, our exercise here for this month, uh, for Freight Fest, uh, the legislative impact. Uh, kind of you could kind of think of it more or not a, I shouldn't say in a smaller scale but more targeted right um, I also think that if you wanted to get away from the consequences of the leg- legislation in many cases you could um, if just again to take the purge for example if if the Sandons really wanted to really wanted to be completely safe they could have you know closed their house down a, a day ahead of time and left the country uh, it's not um it's not one hundred percent and, and this, this comes from my general lack of knowledge about the purge night about the purge movies. Um I I don't know if it's illegal for US citizens to leave the US when the purge is happening, but it seems like it it's something that they couldn't even a an extremely um fascist government couldn't necessarily keep people from, you know, if you were out of the country the week before, um and you just scheduled your flight home for the day after the purge, or two days after the purge, um, I, I don't know what they would do to stop you necessarily. So there is there is at least the possibility that you could escape the legislation. Um, and you know, in terms of uh, in terms of battle royale, the the BR Act is it's almost like a lottery, a, a really terrible lottery. But it's not like all children in Japan are being subject to um, you know to go on this island and kill each other off. It's just one class every year so it's targeted there's a very there's probably a better chance that no matter how many years you're in school in Japan your class would never be picked to go to the island and kill each other so you know there is there is the possibility you could kind of get around it um th- so that's why i think that i put that like the at the lowest level and i think elites do represent the the elites within the political um within you know the people making policy and also the people influencing policy which we'll get to here um which we'll get to for sure obviously in the in the movie review but i'll probably mention here a little bit too um that we're not just talking about politicians we're also talking about people who influence policy and uh influence have have a uh, significant social influence but i i do think this is a step up uh when we talk about the elites because again, while you can kind of potentially sidestep legislation in some way, shape or form is much more dangerous when someone who is actually making the policy is malevolent or is erratic or insane or whatever, like the possibilities for harm really increase when we are talking about an individual who is unstable at at some kind of seat of power. Um, and I, I yeah, so I think I think that threat increases significant, significantly in that regard when we talk about the elites. Also, I think you know the if, when you take it as a whole, um, if you take the elites and, and and legislation as a whole, these are the people who are coming up with ideas like the BR Act and Purge Night, right? Like these are the, that that didn't just spring up collectively. Someone um, <clears throat> the way the BR Act came through was someone in the National Diet. Had a good idea, had "quote unquote" a good idea, and that they 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 politicked and led and they politicked and um, convinced enough people to go along with their idea, and that's how it gets passed. The purge night is is definitely would definitely have been an agenda point for what whoever the whoever the ruling um, you know the, the ruling uh, party uh, in the in the United States at this point in time would be for for purge night. It definitely would have been like an agenda and policy issue that they campaigned on. And they they had to politic and get enough people on board to get it through. So the people, the, so the 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 legislation is coming from these insane people, which means that they probably have even worse ideas for legislation. If you know, you can you can look at the, at stuff like the Purge Night and and the BR Act. You definitely know that the way the way policy works, there is something else coming. So. You know, these ideas are springing out of these insane people. So that's another reason why the elites are, are definitely, um, you know, the, re- represent a, a more increased level of danger um, as opposed to just the legislation itself. I also think that uh, <clears throat> the corruption of the elite is exponentially more harmful. Um, so you can kind of look at you can kind of look at. Um, when we're talking about when we're talking about a, a, a you know just imagine in a some kind of in some movie you know politician who's been um, uh, who's been corrupted by some kind of demonic force or something or you know actually a, a, a better a, a better actual example for over two different movies is the Manchurian Candidate um, where a sleeper candidate is put into um, into the uh, the presidential race. Right. Uh, a candidate that's that's being controlled by uh, what Manchurian Industries or whatever. Um, the idea being that you don't have to it's a precision strike versus like a carpet bombing. You don't have to um, you don't have to do you don't have to destroy everything if you get that one person in place that is under your control, that one person in place that's corrupted by. Um, some demonic entity, or has been um, has been replaced by, um, you know, a malevolent a malevolent um, business, or maybe a malevolent alien species has come and taken over um, taken over the planet. You don't necessarily need to get everyone, but if you get key people, uh, the the damage is exponential. Right, one place, one well placed politician, one well placed industry titan, and you can unleash significant terror on the populace, even though it's, even though, again, it is a precision strike. Um, So I think that that sort of corruption is uh, also makes the, uh, when it comes to the horror of the elites, significantly more dangerous. Um, And I do like, just from a storytelling standpoint, I do like focusing on the politicians, because it allows us to play into some tropes about politicians and kind of Uh, Take them again to their sort of, I don't know, logical or maybe illogical extreme, I guess. I'm not really 100% sure how you'd put it, but, you know, like for example, like we regularly call politicians that we don't like psychopaths. Um, And, you know, maybe some of them do things that do seem psychopathic. Um, Again, I'm not going to weigh in, I'm not going to, I don't want to get this bogged down into individual politicians and and their behavior necessarily, but. There are there are certain politicians that definitely exhibit psychopathic behavior. And quite frankly, I would assume that if you want significantly higher office in in our country, that you have to have some kind of psychopathic tendency. You have to show up somewhere on that antisocial personality disorder scale. If even even the most even the most well-meaning people um, have to have some kind of anti-person, antisocial personality disorder um, traits. Uh, if they want to be president or senator or something or the governor of a state they just have to be but so you know we regularly call again we regularly call politicians psychopaths what if they actually are psychopaths what if we have a politician that is um that is in fact a serial killer what if they are um you know we we call a politician uh disconnected from you know their constituents you know they don't represent the best you know the There could be a a congressman from the Chicago area who doesn't best represent their constituents, and it turns out he's a fucking alien, right? Like that's that's the kind of stuff that you can play with uh, when it comes to the individual politicians. We can we can kind of all the all the stereotypes and terrible things that you think, or even the good things, or not maybe not good things, but I guess the more the more positive connotations about politicians. You know their charisma and um, you know their ability to to lead. You know what if what if a politician is so charismatic because they're literally hypnotizing people and, you know, coercing them to do whatever they want? You know, there's there's stuff like that you can play with when it comes to the individuals more, much more so than you can with, uh, with legislation. So I think from a story point, um, this is just a little bit more fun. Um, I do think that in the wake of recent political issues and the way politicians are themselves, the way that, more so than ever it seems like these people are playing characters to appease their base i i don't i don't fully believe that all of these politicians especially the very notable ones uh, and you can go ahead and name names here if you'd like um whoever first pops to mind i don't feel like that that is their true and genuine self i really feel like these people are playing characters for multiple reasons, but one of the, one of the big reasons is to appease their base. And probably the next biggest reason is to make sure that their name stays, um, their name stays in, in the, you know, out in the spotlight or whatever. Um, so I think, I think because we have these very, um, exaggerated characters or maybe caricature is the better way to put it. Um, these exaggerated caricatures of, of, of politicians now, that I think this type of horror movie, we where we do focus in on, um, you know, one person creating legislation, you know, it seems like, gosh, this person's just has some of the worst legislation in mind. Well, maybe they do because they are, in fact, like I said, a psychopath, a serial killer. Um, they've been possessed by a demon, whatever. Um, I think stuff like this is going to get a bump um, in the ne- in the next few years, and if it's not horror movies. Uh, I'm sure on shows like American Horror Story or Black Mirror, which I think have both done in some capacity, they've, they've made commentary on, on individual politicians. But if they have not, I think that that's going to be sort of ground for, um, ground for, uh, for this type of storytelling, we, where we are going to focus in on the, on the individual politician and what they're doing to, to create havoc, create horror and inflict terror upon their constituents or the American population. So I think that's it. This is a true mini sode We we got to be like under under 15 minutes at this point. Uh so this is a true mini sode Just getting you prepped for uh the next episode as we dissect the uh a couple of 1980s a couple of 1980s movies. One is a legit classic, one I think is a very underrated gem. Um but we're going to be talking about The Dead Zone from 1983 directed by David Cronenberg and Going to be talking about "They Live" from 1988, or excuse me, 1987, directed by the great John Carpenter. Um, so we'll be discussing those two movies. Um, obviously, "The Dead Zone." If you are unfamiliar, we are going to be um, we're going to be going. Uh, guess where? To to Maine. Uh, it's based off of a Stephen King book, one of his most successful of all time. Um, it spawned. Uh, it also later spawned a, a TV series. Um, but we're going to be going to Castle Rock, Maine and uh we're going to be dealing with uh with uh psychics, telekinesis, um and uh and insane politicians who want to nuke the planet. Uh so that'll be coming up in the dead zone and then obviously uh they live we'll be talking about not not specifically politicians but um how kind of to you know about how um it, you know uh putting sleeper agents in place is a precision strike you know, is exponentially more dangerous than um, it can be ex- exponentially more dangerous in this case. In they live uh, aliens have, in fact, replaced all the key people in politics, but also in in, in business and in the social world. Um, all, all the key people have been replaced to keep the populace uh, asleep, essentially. So those will be those will be the two movies we're reviewing uh, on Friday. The Dead Zone and They Live. But for now, that's it. We will catch you next time. Uh, We'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for streaming. And we will see you when we get to our double feature.